Hey friends, welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson. Today is the last episode of our Volun Summer Series, our summer series about all things volunteers. And this episode is such a treat. I invited my friend Nick Blevins to come on the episode to tackle all of your questions. We collected some questions over on social media, and I asked Nick every last one of them. Nick is the next-gen pastor at Community Christian Church in Maryland. He is the co-founder of Ministry Boost, and he just released a brand new book called The Volunteer Playbook. I could not think of a better person to wrap up our Volun Summer series. But before we jump into the conversation with Nick, it is almost time for our fall cohort registrations to open. The Kids Ministry Circle Cohort is a nine-week cohort for leaders to grow as a leader, be better equipped to lead and serve, and be encouraged by other kids ministry leaders who get it. Our fall cohort will kick off at the end of September, and if you want a chance to sign up first, head over to kidsministrycircle.com slash fall cohort to sign up. I hope you can join us. Now, on to my conversation with Nick. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Yes, I'm so excited that you're here. This is the final episode of our Volun Summer, our series in the summer all about all things volunteers. And we have so many questions to tackle today because this is a kind of like catch-all Q&A time. And, you know, in order to do a great Q&A, you have to have a volunteer expert, which is you. And so I hope you're ready to answer all of these questions um, but why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, talking about how you got into the world of kids ministry and talk to us about some things that you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. I'm Nick. My wife, Jennifer, I've been married 18 years. We have three kids, 10, seven, and four. And I grew up, I've been in two churches my whole life. The one I grew up in, uh, which is where I met my wife. I married the pastor's daughter. And then the church that we work at now that we helped start eight, uh, 17 years ago. And so I got into kids ministry kind of falling into it, you know, like, in fact, my wife did not think she was going to be marrying a pastor. That was, I mean, she grew up a pastor's kid. That was, I don't know if it was one of those things where she's like, I'm never going to marry a pastor, but it's probably, she thought I'm not going to marry a pastor. And so right. that life she experienced as a kid, she did not think she'd be a part of as a wife. Uh, I, I worked, I went to school for information systems management, um, but like in my Teens started volunteering in my church. Somebody asked me to teach at VBS. I think I was 18 years old, and I I didn't want to do it. Like you know, nervous about it. I didn't feel like that was something that I was supposed to do. And but you know, how do you say how do you say no to this nice mm-hmm. kind old lady who had been a Sunday school teacher for me? And I did it, and I turned out I actually loved it. I like I liked it, and people were encouraging about it, and which was great. And it's it's funny how those small things, right, that happen in your past can propel you to maybe what God might have for you. So I look back to that, volunteered in different ways. We led our, my wife and I as volunteers, led our upward sports program at our church. And uh, we were more involved with youth ministry, though. But mm-hmm. then we felt like we wanted to see more new churches come to our area. We had heard about our church. My church had planted six churches, but all of that had happened and been done before I was a teenager. And that was kind of done. And, and I live, we live here north of Baltimore, Maryland. And if you re- rewind 20 years ago to this time period, and, and even now, we needed a lot of new churches. You know, there's just a lot of people here, not as many healthy churches that you can invite your friends to. And so we were, we felt like God was calling us to help plant a church, not to be the pastor, the planner, but come alongside and volunteer and do whatever. And a new church, a couple of years later, after we've been praying, we heard about a new church coming and 
man, went to the information meeting. It was like, I think this is it. And they mm-hmm. needed a part-time kids pastor. And I was, and I'd already entertained the idea of working full-time vocationally in a church uh, because my youth pastor had gone on to be a pastor and he needed a youth pastor and he, and it's in the area, same area. Now, the problem was I love my youth pastor uh, and youth ministry could have been fine, but his church was, was probably a, a very similar to my old church. And mm-hmm. we really wanted to be a part of a church that was a little different and, and something that we felt like, you know what, we can invite our friends to that have never been to church and they'll understand and, you know, they'll, they'll understand that experience. And so anyway, ended up there doing part-time kids ministry there. I was the kind of the outsider. They had all come from the church up north that was the primary sending church for this plant. And then, you know, eventually became next-gen pastor, do operations now. I feel like I've done all kinds of things at our church, but kids ministry has been a part of that the whole time. So kind of fell into it, loved it. It's one of those things where, like, I've told my pastor before, like, because he's asked me sometimes, you know, hey, what, what what about this job? Or can you take on this? Or what if we ever had this? And and I'm always like, hey, that's all great. I never want to lose next gen on my plate. So I don't really care right. if you add all these other things to it. I want to keep this. It'll be, you know, mm-hmm. I will have uh, problems if, if I can't keep that, even if it's a, just a smaller portion of my plate. So that's how I got into it. That's awesome. I love that. What a great story. And we'll get to uh, your new book. So we'll get to that at the end. But obviously, you wrote this book about volunteers. Here we are talking about volunteers. And so I'm just going to start hitting you with questions. And we'll chat about them. And then we'll kind of keep going through. So the first one is, who is responsible to recruit kids ministry volunteers? I would say everybody who's on the kids staff. So if it's just you and uh, which is most uh, most people like me, you know, when we start our church, then that's you. Uh, but I would also say all of your volunteers too. With, mm-hmm. But you got to temper that expectation. You know, the reality I could point to Michelle on our team who's been a great volunteer recruiter forever. But Michelle's like the outlier. You know what I mean? Michelle yeah. has recruited probably more than ten volunteers and over the years in our church. Whereas there's a lot of people that have never recruited anybody. You know, so mm-hmm. I think everybody. Uh, I think everybody on staff that leads volunteers, that's another thing for me. Uh, I think everybody that leads vol- in any role, you know, should recruit volunteers. But get your volunteers involved, too, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, the second question is, what do you think is the best way to schedule volunteers? Sometimes kids ministry leaders are like, do I schedule once a month? Do I schedule weekly? Do I schedule every three months over the course of your years and how you've talked with ministry leaders? What have you seen be one of the most fruitful ways to schedule volunteers? Lauren, I have a feeling I'm going to ruffle feathers on this podcast when I look at your questions. And this is going to be one of them where I might do that. Um, And so just understand, I'm not, you know, I play an expert on podcasts and I wrote a book and it doesn't mean I know everything. And I don't know everything. And every church is different. Yeah. So we all have our preferences. uh, But after, you know, almost 20 years with our church, seeing this in the lives of kids that were four and now they're, you know, 22 um, and helping tons of churches, I would say two different parts of that. One, I'm a huge fan of weekly volunteers, like anybody that leads kids or students directly. So think small group leader. Uh, I grew up in Sunday school. So like a Sunday school teacher, Mm -hmm. I think they should serve weekly. Now there are exceptions. If your church has one service, uh, that that's tough because, you know, if they serve weekly, they never go to service. And I have, you know, hacks for that, like answers to that. But, um, you know, I know there's some situations, but largely I think they should be weekly because I just think there's a relationship that you want to build there. Uh, I remember my son was four years old. His small group leader, and he was a small group leader, was Chris. 
Chris Hooper. And I remember one time at, at soccer, we show up and Chris is there because his boys were playing soccer and they're older. And it was great for my son because it was like one of those moments like where you see your teacher outside of school and you're like, you exist outside the church. Like that's yep. crazy. And, um, you know, and Chris is just one of the many, you know, Isaac's 10 years old now. So he's, um, he's had lots of leaders right now. He's got Doug, one of the best volunteers at our church. And so, and every year he's had a different leader. And when he goes into middle school, high school, it was a really good chance. He'll end up with one, two leaders that whole time that'll stick with Mm -hmm. him from sixth through 12th grade. And so it's a really high bar. It's hard to get volunteers to commit to that, but I think, I just think it's so crucial. And then scheduling is less of a thing, right? Cause you're just there every week. Uh, I am help maybe helping manage subs or maybe there's a way you're doing that on your own. We've done every version of subs, so I won't waste time talking about that. But, and then there are some volunteers, our large group, large group volunteers serve once every month because they memorize like their script and do it for all the services that morning, whether mm-hmm. it's two or yep. had three before. And so that's an example where that, you know, it's not everybody has to be weekly, um, but man, everybody's leading kids and, and students like in a group or something like that. I shoot for weekly. And then part of it is, see, I have, I'm going to like make companies mad now, you know, like (laughs) software where you schedule your volunteers, whether it's planning Uh center or we use CCB. Um, I don't like that either (laughs) because part of it, I don't not like it. Like I wish there was one that would do like the way I want it or whatever. Oh, for Uh, sure. What I don't like about it is this. I don't like the premise that you have to tell me every week if you're coming. Right. Like you might be coming and I need, you need to tell me every week. I like the premise that you're coming. You're telling me if you're not, and I don't like it when it's as easy as just tapping something on a screen. And I, and I also don't love if you are, like I know a lot of children's ministry leaders are in the position where you're serving, you know, volunteers are once every four weeks or something. And so it, it, there is a scheduling time every week where you're spending mm-hmm. hours, and I don't love that. So like, you know, moving people to weekly, uh, getting them to some kind of fixed schedule. We have had, we have volunteers in our youngest preschool where some of them do serve every other week. But even then, what I like is it's you're just every other week. It's in a sheet. You know it. If you have to switch, you and the other person switch uh, kind of thing. And so I, I just hate that for church leaders when you spend five hours scheduling volunteers. I wish it was like, nope, let's recruit ones that will serve every yeah. week and, and spend time there. And so like el- like our elementary, for example, where they serve every week, um, there, there's no scheduling there outside of the large group. You know, the large group, there is some scheduling because it's once a month. Other than that, you know, if somebody's going to be out, obviously there's there's a communication there, and we'll even tell people if you're going to miss this Sunday because you know the classic eleven thirty p.m. Saturday night whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we say you know if 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 you know you're going to be out this Sunday coming up, obviously tell us as far as advance as you know. But if it's right. that week and it's before Thursday at five o'clock, you can email, but after that you got to text or call. So that that yeah. helps too because it raises that accountability a little bit. You're not just tapping a button. You're not sending the email 11.53 p.m. that nobody should be looking for at 11.53 p.m., mm-hmm. you know? So that's yeah, my I think Yeah, I think that's really smart. Even the mentality of switching it from, oh, I'm waiting to see if they're going to be there to waiting to, like, see if they're not going to be able to make it. Like, just that mental shift of, like, oh, no, you you will be here, whether you serve every Sunday, whether you serve every other Sunday, or even if you serve the first Sunday of every month. Like, Mm-hmm. You schedule, maybe you schedule them out for like six months and you're like, Hey, you're just going to be here. And it's your yeah. job to tell me if you can't make it. And I think that mentality shift is a big one. Instead of being like, here's the schedule. Let me know if you can make it. Yeah. Cause then it's yeah. like, well, they're just going to click decline. And it's like, then you're kind of back at square one. And so 
Yeah, and hard. it's kind of like people rise or fall to the level of commitment we expect from them. Yeah. Uh, there, what is that Navy SEAL phrase or something like, we don't rise to the level of our hopes and dreams, we fall to the level of our training, something like that. Um, this is a little different because we're talking about expectations. And there are people, though, who are probably doing less in our ministry than they would if we could raise the bar. The scary thing is, and I get this, once you raise the bar, a bunch of people probably will quit. Uh, yeah. like they're not, they're not going to jump over that bar and that's okay. The, the, but the truth is in the long run, that's okay because you actually end up with more better volunteers, but it is scary. Mm-hmm. There's that period of like, okay, now I got to get more, you know, cause I'm losing these folks. So, but yeah. it's worth it in the long run for sure. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Let's talk student volunteers. What are some policies that you have in place for students who serve in your ministry? I, uh, so we, I'll tell you one lesson we learned because we kind of did it the wrong way. But in general, we treat student volunteers just like every other volunteer, just like adult mm-hmm. volunteers. You know, it's, it's like the same thing. They're getting the same onboarding, the same training, all of that, right? But we did learn, you know, from a bad experience a number of years ago that we probably need to do a little bit more and a little bit different with student volunteers because we had an incident in a preschool room where – Nothing bad happened. They just were being teenagers that were not exactly doing the best job in the room. And that frustrated a leader, an adult leader, who, you know, didn't feel like they signed up to serve and have to also lead teenagers. But here's Mm -hmm. where it's funny. I'm so passionate about um, students serving that I I wanted us to own the fact that we didn't train those students and kind of set up that room and set up that adult well to know what the expectation was. That was Mm -hmm. our fault. However, I do want all of our adult volunteers to know that student serving is a core value for us. And we do want you to lean in and kind of be a mentor to them. And if you can't do that, this isn't for you. It's almost like a teaching, like a teaching hospital. It's like, this is our value of yours. Of ours is like training up the next generation of leaders. That's awesome. Yes. And I'm like, I don't know where the line is, but I'm willing to accept a pretty good, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Variation of quality. And, you know, to an extent with student serving in right. order to have students serving. Now, it wasn't yeah. okay what we did to her because we didn't tell her about this. She didn't commit to that. We had never, like, v- you know, verbalized it. Mm-hmm. But then after that, we had a preschool training, and I was part of it just because of this right here. So me and our preschool pastor, you know, we just talked about, hey, we haven't done a good job at this with student volunteers. Mm-hmm. We're going to do better. But we want you to know what the expectation is, which is we want students serving. And we're going to yeah. max out the ratio. Like we have a certain, you know, we want, we love two adults for two students. If it's a room that's that big or, or whatever, like we don't want a room that just two students, the whole thing. But we're going to push those boundaries. And actually my preschool pastor and I have argued over this, you know, because I'm always <laughs> going to push, you know. And, she, and rightfully so, she's trying to figure out how do I make this the best experience. So that was something we, um, I think that's important to kind of get everybody on the same page about what is your value there. Mm-hmm. Do you expect adult volunteers to mentor student volunteers? Because some of them are just not going to do that. And like that yeah. lady, I think even if we had communicated well, she probably would have said no to doing that. And I would say, okay, it's probably not for you then serving your kids, mm-hmm. which is hard because she's awesome. Yeah. I mean, if we're just being frank, she's going to be better than 95% of our student volunteers, right? Mm-hmm. But just because of age and experience and, and maturity and all that. But it's, it's not worth it to me to not have, you know, students serving, not have the culture. And then some other things we've done is we have done some student-specific training. Our preschool ministry has student-specific mm-hmm. onboarding training now, which is really good. And then we have even done something that I love where uh, our student pastor gathered all of the students who volunteer anywhere in the church 
and just celebrate them at like a breakfast or a lunch and oh, they have fun. fun to do some games, give out goofy awards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, most, uh, let's see, quietest student volunteer, you know, loudest <laughs> student volunteer. You know what I mean? I don't know. They just yeah. want they make it fun like that and kind of create that culture that, you know, students serve is a big thing. And it is a big thing. Like for me, uh, students are a quarter at least of our kids team, wow. um, sometimes pushing 30%. And then I want half of all the student attendance serving the average, like not mm-hmm. you know, like half of all students. Cause you know, someone might come once a month and, but if you take our average attendance of students, I want half that number serving somewhere in the church is my goal yeah. always. And we're usually close. We're usually around there. Sometimes a little above, sometimes a little below. Yeah. That's awesome. Do they, do students count? So if you're adult, Volunteer counts as this ratio. Do your students count as the same ratio? Yes. You mean, oh, you mean in terms of just like leader to kid ratio? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Uh, Yes. But then you have to get in that other ratio of adults and students in a room. You know what I mean? So like you can't have, like if that room needs two leaders, it can't be two students. Right. Um, So you might probably end up with like three because we would, we would have a room. uh, I know, and some churches don't do this, but we would have a room Mm -hmm. with like one adult volunteer and two students in our preschool rooms where our doors are open and, you know, there's right. the room right next door. So there's, you know, other rules that apply, but in general, they're treated just like adult volunteers for yeah. ratio purposes. Yeah. Do they go through, like, in terms of this, I get this question a lot with student volunteers is how do you handle the sexual abuse training issue with student volunteers? Do they go through that full training? Do they participate? Do they watch with their parents? Like, what does that look like for all of those like, obviously, for some students, you can't background check them. But what does it look like for your yeah. other onboarding pieces? Yeah, and I would say most students you can't background check because of their age. It's just blind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't yeah. work. Um, but, yes, they do, so they go through all that with us. We um, – their parents don't have to do that with us, with them in terms of, like, going through that training. Um, mm-hmm. But they're aware of what they're doing there. And we, we – just like I'm sure a lot of churches, parents are involved in all the communication. So, like, I, I uh, hosted in our fourth and fifth grade environment a couple weeks ago. And because that is a schedule thing, like we talked about earlier, that's not a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. I got the same communication that our elementary director sends to everybody. And I, I just – I'm always reminded of this when I see that note that she's sending it to parents. So it's like you or your kid is serving this Sunday. Like that's how she phrases yeah. it because it's going out to both. So their parents are involved in that, um, you know, primarily from a communication standpoint, but it doesn't, it's the same thing for the onboarding and for the training. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Next question. What do you look for? What characteristics do you look for when you're trying to build those level the like volunteer leadership team. So that next level of serving, not just volunteers, but maybe they're like serving as directors or coaches or kind of that next volunteer leadership team. Yeah. We call them coaches in our world. Um, so small group leaders are led by coaches and then our staff, you know, lead, lead the coaches. Um, what are we looking for? I mean, it depends. Cause I think, I think it's part of what is helpful is you don't narrow in on just the people who used to be good small group leaders, for example, mm. That is a good group, man. But it's so funny how many of them are not great coaches. You know what I mean? Like we have one right now where, I mean, she's awesome. She's been an amazing small group leader for a long time, has recently been coaching and it's not working a hundred percent. And part of it is the skills that were good with small group leading and having that one focus group didn't translate to kind of the ownership you have to take as a coach of of the room. 
and and it's not actually because of lack of ability or whatever. I mean, some of it's just she's so relational that she'll spend all the time doing that. And there's an administrative part to our coaching. There's a leadership part to our coaching. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you're – and the way I would say it, we have six values for our coaches. And the way I tell our coaches when we do training is, like, you're going to have some mix of these. Some of you, you're gonna, this is going to be your top value, and this one you're going to be the worst at. And But you have to have some – there's kind of like a minimum threshold for a few of them, yeah. you know what I mean? And she's probably just not there, you know, for a couple of the key ones, administration and leadership and things like that. And so, but there's some small group leaders are great. They, they just do what they did with kids. They're now doing that with a group of adults. And then like other leaders, like one of my favorite things is to get coaches that don't lead kids, maybe wouldn't even lead kids, mm-hmm. but they do have leadership gifts and they'd love to lead adults and be kind of take responsibility of, of a room or whatever and get them to do that. So, I mean, I remember the first, I can still remember this like it was yesterday, even though it was, I don't even know, 14 years ago or something. When we moved to a coach structure, mm-hmm. I we did a few different things to roll it out. But one of them we did was a big volunteer training. And <clears throat> I had an org chart of the kids ministry. And my name was on all these boxes, all the coach boxes, you know, like I did like the whole, and I talked about Moses Exodus 18 and had a little, I found it on the internet back then, a picture of like a, a Moses org chart where he was doing everything right before uh-huh. his father-in-law Jethro comes and tells him to have leaders of tens and fifties and hundreds and all that. And then showed like what Jethro presented as an org chart. And then I showed our org chart and I made a case for, Hey, we've got a few coaches, people that have signed on, but we need a few more. And here they are. And now let me say this is risky because you could get people signed up that you don't want. And so you might, right. if, if you do what I just said, you might have to be willing to tell people no, mm-hmm. um, which I, I did. But I remember, I can, it's so funny, I can remember this just like it was yesterday. I remember saying to the room, um, if you have thought to yourself, I, we should be able to do that better. I think we should do that differently. Mm-hmm. You might be a coach. And mm-hmm. I remember Lisa sitting right here, who was one of our volunteers in preschool, having the weirdest face like who thinks that and I was thinking you don't think that because leadership right. isn't necessarily anything she's one of our best volunteers we've ever had she's led our mm-hmm. her and our, her family have led our preschool room forever and guess what she is a coach now which is really <laughs> funny uh so like that's just proof too that even if it's not like in you like wired deep in you you can train to a certain level and that's what I would mm-hmm. say about her is it's not wired deep in her but over that many years it has now been developed and yeah, it's not the same as maybe somebody who's got it wired in them. But, um, but in that, but when she looked at me in that moment, it was a thought like, who would think that? And I'm thinking, I know who would think that leaders. That's what leaders think. Mm-hmm. Now, complainers also do that. So you got to be careful, to, you know, figure out which ones yes. are the complainers and the critics and they yes. want to do it different. But sometimes leaders think that because, you know, they, they're always thinking, how can this be better? What can we do here to have a more effective thing? And so if you ever, like, maybe you just ask for feedback. And you listen, you're like, oh, that was really good. And, that, and mm-hmm. you might be able to identify leaders that way. Yeah, there's a difference between the people who just complain about what's wrong. And then there's the people who see what's wrong and are willing to get in and help fix yes. it. Those are like two yes. different things. Yeah, That's awesome. And, and if, if what's wrong is a vision or strategy thing, well, then it might not be a fit. You know what I mean? They right. might be coming in trying to do something different strategically than your church is going to do. And that's where it's like, yeah, okay, you, you might be a leader, but not here unless yeah. you can buy into this. Yeah. Do you want to run through your six values for your coaches? Ooh, you're gonna do you know them off the top of your head? It's a great <laughs> question. Uh, recruiter is one of them. We talked about recruiting earlier. Michelle, I mentioned, is a coach, and she's our best recruiter. Commu- I mean, they all end in R, which is really funny because one of them doesn't actually work that way as a word. Uh, <laughs> communicator. 
communicator okay. like with your team. Um, and that's a big one that like, if we were picking a couple, uh, key ones, that would be one connector is another one. And those are two big ones. And the idea is you're connecting with your team relationally. You're communicating with your team. Mm -hmm. uh, I said recruiter developer. So the idea that you're actually going to help your team get better, which that's mm -hmm. one that I would say is not required, but man, it's great if you can do that. Cause you can, yeah. you know, you really do uh, help them get better partner meaning you partner with parents. And the reason we say that the small group leader is our best and primary partnership with parents. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, particularly in kids, even in student ministry, actually, um, coaches sometimes have more conversations right there in the hallway because they can be, they're free. Like when the service yeah. is starting, they're not leading yep. a group of kids. They're up at the door and so they can greet and say hi. So the way we kind of talk about it is like, you're, it's like a different level. It's more broad mm -hmm. than it is deep. But you should be partnering, connecting with parents, getting to know them a little bit, just making them feel like this is home, right? Yeah. And then um, carer is the word we made up. <laughs> they all, I did grow up Baptist, okay? So, like, I need it. Once we got all these words that ended in er sound. You've got to figure it out. I got to get yeah, one yeah, more yeah. in there. And so yep. care, care, and then, you know, providing care for their leaders. So connecting is one thing, but care is another thing. And, and, and man, that has been, that's probably one of the, like, I don't know, hidden values of a coach model yeah. because you just can't, I mean, some people are a lot better care than I am, but like we had 30 volunteers and I let them all directly. We had 60 volunteers at one point when I let them all directly mm -hmm. and I'm not that good of a leader. And so we've seen how care has, you know, been, the bar has been raised there with coaches because they can do what, for eight or 12 leaders, what we can't do. Yep. And then we're trying to care for them. That's who we, yeah. care for, you know, so there they are. I actually remembered them. Nice. Good job. Uh, okay. The next question I have is how do you train volunteers in a world that everyone just seems busy? Everyone's mm -hmm. busy and you want to yeah, train yeah. volunteers. How do you, like, I literally just had this conversation yesterday with a kids ministry leader of like, how do I get people to show up to a training yeah. event? Mm, well, those are two different questions that we can try to answer quickly. Like, how do I train? How do I get them to show up? It's mm -hmm. funny you ask this because we just started posting well, with Ministry Boost, um, something we do to help train church leaders, as you know. We started putting videos on YouTube every week. We're trying to do something like that, that it'll be a podcast as well. But right now it's just videos hitting every week. And we started with recruiting and did eight game changers from my book. But now we're doing training. And so like, I think there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But in that series and, and even in the book, one of the methods I push for like how to train is train them weekly in volunteer huddles. We're talking three-minute little pieces. Like, for example, um, my friend's book, Beyond the Spiral. Now, this for kids' ministry is not – it still matters. But, man, mm -hmm. student ministry is going to be critical. You could take yeah. this book, Beyond the Spiral, eight chapters, and take literally four months to go through it. Uh, and not even they don't even necessarily have to read it. Like maybe you're bringing the content. Hey, here's a principle from that chapter. Let's talk about it in four minutes. You know, in a huddle, mm -hmm. like that. Train weekly in huddles. Train monthly in like an extended huddle. I don't see. I don't think you train monthly necessarily where it's an event and they got to come out and it's another thing. Right. But is it an extended huddle? Is it a ten minute video you send uh, and then you talk about it in the huddle? You know, something like that. We used to do the extended huddle thing. We would do like. Of huddles like where volunteers are gathering with their team their leaders before service mm -hmm. for 10 minutes you know vision information prayer training 
And then once a month, they would all come together in one big room and we would do a big thing. Like we used to do our church culture statements. We do one a month, you know, so like, and then, uh, and then maybe two big events a year, you know, one or mm-hmm. two big events a year. Uh, I think you had mentioned before, like, what, would you do one big event a year or four quarterly yeah. things? And my answer would, if that was only my two choices, I'd say four quarterly because one, it's more, yeah. but two, you'll catch more people, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a big training. Sometimes you get, I mean, you'd be lucky to get 50, 60% show up sometimes. Every church is different. And, but if you did four and you only had, even if only half the people came to each one, hopefully 90% came to one of them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, cause they, they made it. So, um, but you know, that weekly, monthly, yearly thing I like, and then if for getting them there, my biggest thing is do all the things you can do to remove barriers. You know, is it at a good time on a good date when it's not competing with as much? Uh, can you catch them when they're already there? You know, we've had, you know, mm. Sunday afternoon, right? It's, it's not always my favorite, but sometimes that's the yeah. best. And then, you know, can you provide childcare? Is there food? But one of the biggest things I think is follow-up. So, like, you get people to RSVP and you push for six weeks. You're doing RSVPs. Ideally, you're only emailing, you continue emailing just the people who haven't RSVP'd yet. Like, if I RSVP, right. don't keep hitting me up. But yeah. if I haven't, keep hitting me up. Text me couple weeks before mm-hmm. it happens, talk to me at church, you know? And then, but when I, I think one of the key things is after the training for people that didn't RSVP or RSVP'd yes, but then didn't, didn't show up. I think there's a follow-up email individually. Hey Lauren, we missed you at the training uh, yesterday. Hope everything's, is everything okay? That's what I say. Send. Because now it puts that pressure on you. And it's, it's accountability. It's like you were no, it was noticed that you were missed. See, a right. lot of volunteers feel like, that's oh, not for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. They just decide that like, ah, oh, it's not for me. Um, or they're like, I don't, they wouldn't even notice that I wouldn't show up. Yes, exactly. And then you notice. And so now mm-hmm. that sets the expectation that for the next time, oh, I am supposed to go. I think that's the yeah. key. To me, that's one of the, I learned that from our pastor. Um, and we did that. And even with all those things that I just mentioned, you know, a good volunteer training for us would probably be 70%. Yeah. show up. So that's what's hard is that's why I like these other methods online, weekly in mm-hmm. huddles, because you're just going to push that number up. If you're, if you're just doing the big thing, which I love the big thing, uh, you know, you're going to miss people. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Before we do our quick fire round, I want to ask you this last question of if you were to stop me in, in the lobby or if like I was next on your list to try and recruit to serve in your kids ministry, what would you say? What's like your elevator pitch? Like, how are you recruiting your volunteers? I would probably do it a little bit different. I still would have an elevator pitch, but my lobby conversation would not be that. I would, my lobby conversation would be, I mean, it's different if I know you versus if I don't know you, but if I don't right. know you uh, or if I don't really know you, um, uh, my pitch would be to get you to come to a volunteer orientation where I would then make my actual pitch. And it wouldn't okay. be an elevator pitch at that point because I would have you for 30 minutes or whatever. Uh, so we do volunteer tours. Um, I'll be doing them one this Sunday, actually. Um, where, and it's for the whole church and all ministries kind of thing. We've done them just for kids. Um, and we've done volunteer orientations where it's like more of a class. I like the mm-hmm. tour thing because like it works for 20. It works for one. Like it scales. doesn't matter yeah. how many come. But yeah, so in the lobby... If, if I do that, if I'm going to get you to an orientation where I'll then make the pitch, there I'm just asking about you. how'd you find your way to our church, what's your experience been like, if you have kids, I'm asking about that. So it's a lot of like asking you about your journey. 
And then, hey, want to let you know, one of the things we have around here is a volunteer orientation where you can see all the different ways that people serve, what we do. There's a lot more that happens behind the scenes than you get to see. Serving is a big part of following Jesus and growing your faith. I know that personally from my own experience. And I'd like to invite you to come to the next one. It's, you know, two Sundays from now, whatever. Like that would be my pitch there. That's even what my pitch, like the way we teach recruiting in the in my book, mm-hmm. even if it was an email, that's the pitch in a sense yeah. is let's talk. And then when we talk, I'm inviting you to the orientation. Now at the orientation, or if I just had to go straight to the pitch, I would talk about, and I do, actually I do this in the tour. So like when we're doing the tour, um, I am obviously a heavy favorite towards kids and student ministry. Uh, I have my bias, but I'm leading this tour where we're showing them everything, you know, worship mm-hmm. arts, our guest services, everything. Um, we can't show them student ministry cause that happens a different night for us. But yeah, anyway, when we get to the part where we're showing about the walk in the kids area, I'm, I make a, a change because I, mm-hmm. what I know is these people that I'm taking on a tour, it's going to be a lot easier for them to say yes to the once every other week guest services job where you don't, you don't even miss the service. I'm like, literally, right. and it's very, it's like 30 minutes extra of your schedule, maybe 45. Um, and I don't want to minimize that because that, th- that role is really important, but it's also really easy to say yes to that and not weekly leading kids. Right. So, and I know that, and because of my bias, uh, I will, I make a pitch right there. I kind of change gears and I say, now we're about to see our kids spaces and we're going to talk about student ministry in a little bit. And here's what you need to know. Most of our volunteers that lead kids serve every every week, and that sounds like a huge commitment. And obviously, they're missing for vacation. You know, they're probably there 45, 47 times a year. Mm-hmm. But the reason we do that is this, because we believe the faith of the next generation is worth everything. And they need somebody to connect to who believes in them, who cares about them, yeah. who knows them, who knows their pet's name. Not week one. But, you know, after they've been coming week after week, and I'll usually tell a story about, like, my son or my daughter or something like that and the different leaders they've had. And we'll look in the room, you know, like, here's Lisa and her husband, John. They've been leading in here for 17 years. Two of the kids that they led just, you know, graduated college this past month. And and I so I try to make the case that, and I, I say it plainly, this job is a bigger commitment, but yeah. it has a far bigger impact. And usually what I'll in the part of the pitch, and I would do this in an orientation or in a tour, I'll say, and for example, um, I bet we've had a hundred kids baptized by their small group leaders over the last mm-hmm. number of years. I know we've had a hundred students at least, probably more in both cases, cases baptized by their small group leaders because, because of that relationship. And so it's a, it's a big commitment to lead, you know, kids and students as a small group leader, but there are a few things better that you could do with your yeah. life. And I don't, yeah. I just put it on like that. Cause I'm, that, to me, yeah. I believe it. I'm not faking it. Yeah. I believe all that. And, and then we go look and we tore it. You know what I mean? And then from there, I kind of am more trying to sell like, like that's the, the heart. And then I'm just trying to answer questions or barriers. So it's like all the resources are prepared for you. See there, that's where they're getting them from. Um, you know, things like that. We do onboarding and apprenticing. So you get to learn everything mm-hmm. you can learn alongside another leader, you know, cause people are always going to have a list, even though they don't know it. Uh, some of them they know, but some of them they don't. A list of like objections, you know. Yeah. And so I try to answer those as I go through, uh, and I just believe, you know, if you're thinking priorities, God, your, God, your family, uh, this is right around there, I think. And I know maybe it's unbiased because I work for a church, but I would promise you, if I didn't work for a church tomorrow, serving would be one of the top three, yeah. probably. I'm thinking if there's something above that, certainly top five. And so that's where I don't feel bad 
being bold and pushing people mm-hmm. to like, yes, I do want you to put this above my kids. Uh, my son plays in two club sports leagues. They're crazy. The commitment is nuts. They're not going to go above this in his life or mine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. School. It matters a lot. I need that to be a thing. But is are, like, are there extracurriculars that we could just keep tacking on and would push church out? Sure. And we're yep. not going to do that, you know? So yeah. that's where I don't feel bad pushing that way. But I just try to sell it with the, the story. And so, you know, as much as I can, I'll, I'll even throw in some stories there. You know, I have a couple of them actually in the, in the book, um, you know, because people connect to stories like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. There's two things that I really like about that. One is that your volunteer orientation is not just for volunteers who've already said yes. Yes, and that's what actually you, is confusing because we, we, right. we, we, work, we work with churches on this. And when they hear that, they think what you just said, which is normal. Because uh-huh. you think orient, like a job orientation, that's usually right. after you've been hired. So yes. I don't know. We need a better word for it. Um, but uh, yeah, so we call it orientation. But really, it's um, this isn't the it's best like an interest thing meeting. But we yeah. joke it as like this, the timeshare sales pitch, except yes. the same timeshares. Uh, this matters. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, because um, it really is. So it's more of a sneak peek. Uh, a preview or I don't know what to call that, but mm-hmm. um, we, we've stuck with orientation. I like now in our church, we're doing these tours now. And so mm-hmm. volunteer tour, I even like a little more because you get that yeah. sense of like, it's not, I'm not doing it yet. And we'll even say you're not committing to serve, yeah. you know, when you sign up for it. So yes, you're right. But yeah. it is confusing. When we talk to other church leaders, they're like, yeah, we do that. And it's like, nah, you do it the way the word really means, which is after they start right. serving. We mean yes. before. Yeah. yeah. And it's for all volunteers. So you're showing the kids space to everybody because they may come to you and say, Oh yeah, I thought about serving in like hospitality or something or in connections or whatever. And then you walk them through the kids space and there could be a total heart change of like, Oh no, this is where I want to serve. And like, I think that's a good, I think that's a good space to be like, no, we want all volunteers to see all areas of the minute of our church, not just their little spot where they're serving. And I think that's really smart. So yeah, and they don't get to see things. it otherwise. Like, it's not like you see kids, even if you have kids in kids, kids ministry, it's not like you're back there, you know, all the time seeing what's going on. I even try to time it where we're in the large group of our elementary when they're doing large group, like not totally. when we start off a small group, you know, for 10 minutes and yeah. then we go to large groups. So like a few weeks ago, I had a group touring in there and they're playing games with the huge ball. We use orange curriculum and they got this huge inflatable. I mean, it's like six feet tall uh, mm-hmm. ball and they play different games with it. But then what I really wanted to see was the singing, the worship time, because those kids sing. You can hear their voices. It's beautiful. Yeah. And they do the motions. They get excited. And we're standing along the back wall, you know, and then we watch for a little bit and we come around the corner. And like, that's what being a small group leader is all about. They get to help yeah. kids fi- follow Jesus. And man, there's just nothing better. All right, let's yeah. go. You know what I mean? Like, I, yep. really, I lay it on. Yep. I lay it on thick. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so here's our quick fire I'm just going to run through a handful of questions and you either answer, uh, you can give one or the other answers. Okay, here we go. Are you team volunteer t-shirt or volunteer lanyard? Shirt and t-shirt. Sometimes yes to both, but I would pick shirt. <laughs> okay. I, shirt. I think shirts do a cu- help like create a culture. Totally. Yep. Okay. Are you volunteer church swag as a gift or are you team gift card? Oh. For volunteers? Uh-huh. Oh, that's tough. Early on, I'd say swag because then, again, it goes that, that culture thing. Right. I feel like a part of something. But beyond that, I'd probably go gift card. 
It's a little yeah. tricky though. Like there's like, there's like IRS tax things there. Like it gets into a whole. I worked for a church where we couldn't give gift cards, so we had to be yeah. really creative. Yeah, I mean technically uh, it's an IRS thing. Like you're not supposed yeah. to do that. You got to send them a ten. I, I don't know. Like it's I crazy. Stuff. It's it's crazy. We're kids. Uh, bon- we don't. Tax I know. No. <laughs> your handbook. I know. Seriously. Uh, okay. Volunteer handbook. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. And then you already answered this one, which is one big annual training or smaller quarterly trainings. Oh well, yeah. And if those are the two, I go four. Yeah. I go yeah. Quarterly. The smaller quarterly trainings. Yeah. That's for, awesome. You, get, you can hit four different topics. You can catch more people. Uh, it's more training, you know, which I just think is good. Like I'm not for like, get it. I, I knew a student ministry where, they would train every week. They were doing something for like an hour before they serve. And I was like, wow, that's, wow. that's something right there. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not necessarily for that, but I'm all, one is, is, is hard. You know, you can lose a lot if you just have mm-hmm. one a year. Yeah. And you can even make one of those for like a celebration. So that's awesome. Yeah. And if you have fun, okay. all of them, there's, there's a connection that you build too. And anytime you get yes. them in the room, right? Like, and I always had this theory of mine that like the younger the kids are you serve with, the more you need additional relational time. Meaning like if you serve with infants, you don't have a lot infants is not a great example because a lot of times you can hold them and talk to other leaders in the room. But if mm-hmm. you're like with three-year-olds, you're not spending a lot of time oh. connecting with the other adults. Right? No. <laughs> if you start with high school, you are because you're going on trips. You're there before and after. Like there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. Um, so, and those trainings are a great time to just hang out and get connected with yeah. the leaders. That's awesome. All right. So the last question we always ask is if you were talking to someone who is brand new to kids ministry, what would be your words of encouragement or advice? Yes, I would say a few things. Ministry is is hard, and it never it's never finished. There's it's not this is not the checklist that you you actually get done, and you go home. And if your personality is that type, it's that's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And, and but you have to know that because you always have to prioritize. You have to prioritize knowing that you won't get everything done, and so then what is going to matter most? And recruiting volunteers and leading through them powers everything else like the more you can recruit volunteers and even coaches and get them in place the more time you have to work on other projects or to partner with parents to build something better you know that you want to build but without them or when that's a struggle that everything else feels worse you know it's hard Mm -hmm. you don't get the time to do all that and there's not you know there could be seasons of feeling like you're fully staffed but that's another myth like if you were 90 to 95% staffed, you're doing really, really well. And that'll, that'll be enough for you to mm-hmm. like do a lot of these things that you want to do. But there's also not a myth that you could ever get there. See a lot of people that you're right. always 70% staffed and you just feel like you're never, that's not true either. Um, there's a lot of factors involved, but you can get there. So spend the bulk of your time leading, caring for, connecting with recruiting volunteers, building that out, and then be very intentional about where you spend the rest of your time prioritizing knowing that like yeah. you can't do everything and uh ministry it's a, it's a long it's a long haul and a lot of what you're going to build will, will take time um it take two years easy just to really quickly like two would two years would be really fast to mm-hmm. turn a church a ministry around from like not doing well health wise to doing well two years would yeah. be really fast you know five years would be like more normal and so you know build it in a way that's healthy from the beginning and take that time and don't, don't put unrealistic expectations in yourself. So many church yeah. leaders do that. And then you, you know, you can burn out, you can be really disappointed. And just the other thing I would say is remember that the fruit of your work is rarely seen 
here mm. now because mm-hmm. uh, you don't get a lot of six-year-olds come up and say, hey, you changed my life a couple of years ago when you preached, you know, or and you don't get a lot of 15-year-olds that come back and say, like, I yeah. grew up in a healthy church. I have a, my picture of God was shaped by amazing preschool leaders. I yeah. can't, I know some of them because of, you know, knowing them when I got older and, you know, my mom and all that, but like a lot of them I don't know. And they, what they don't yeah. know is, I mean, just think, they don't know. And it has nothing to do with me, but they don't know that. And I was a, not a great kid in middle school, high school, and church. So like some of those teenage leaders, uh, some of them, a lot of them, actually, I do know because I still live in the same area. But just think about like the preschool leader that has no idea that I, who that I was in their group. And then now I'm part of this church that all these other people are doing all these cool things that I get to be a part yeah. of. And our church has baptized a few hundred kids and students in the same area. You know, we're 20 minutes from my home church. And like you, she was a part of that. He was a part of that, like all those people. Yeah. And so I would remind them of that. That's true of the – usually the the staff person sees more of it than the volunteer, mm-hmm. but you still don't see everything. You just yeah. don't see the fruit of that. And, of course, we don't do it just for that. We do it to honor God. But ministry can feel like you're losing a lot. Mm-hmm. And so you got to pay attention to when there's those celebrations and wins and, you know, those, yep. those stories. That's great. That's the best How thing in the world, though. This is the best is. thing in the world. So yep. like it's hard is worth it. It's just like being a small group leader, right? It's like, this is a yeah. big commitment. It's hard. Oh my gosh. Is it worth it? Is it worth yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Hey, uh, one, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I think we answered, I think we got through all of our questions. There was one that we didn't get to, but maybe we'll have you come back and we'll answer that next oh, one later. It's uh, going to bug me. It's going to bug me. That I know. There was one. Well, like, it's I'm the not, parent one. How I'm a little bit of a checklist personality, you know, so. like, <laughs> It's a parent one. I know. That's great. I think our next course will be a new partner with parents course. Uh, Ooh, we'll yeah. probably do some different stuff like that. That's a so. great idea. Uh, okay, but I want to make sure that people know where to connect with you. Where do they find you? Talk about your new book. We'll link that in the show notes. But talk about if they want to hear more from Nick, where can they reach you? Uh, NickBlevins.com. I have a blog that I'm not good at writing on, uh, but the <laughs> podcast is there. And you need to come on the podcast. So we're going to make that happen. Um, yeah, let's do it. And... Uh, you know, you can find the podcast there, articles there. And then Ministry Boost, I mentioned earlier, something that we started to help train church leaders, primarily kids and student leaders. So we have online courses like on volunteer recruiting, uh, implementing coaches, a lot of training, like a lot of the things we mentioned today. Our courses there, we do coaching with that. But the book, the Volunteer Playbook, it's uh, I started writing it 10 years ago. And the premise was kind of like, it's a little bit of what we talked about today. So many things impact volunteerism in your church. It's not just one thing. And so mm-hmm. it's never that quick, simple fix. So how? what if we could address some of the big things yeah. in an effort to get that volunteer culture where you want it and get your team 95% staffed? Um, and so that's what the book is. It starts with recruiting because that's the, the urgent need, right? Then it moves to like, okay, let's build a healthy volunteer culture and foundation. And then it ends with like some volunteer hacks. I don't call them hacks, but they're kind of like that. And the reason I put those at the end is because like I know there'd be a temptation to go there first, which is fine. Right. But I want people to build that that system where you actually recruit every week, every month, all year yeah. long. And then when you add a hack on top of it, it's even better. You know, like something like that's even yep. better. So uh, volunteerplaybook.com, thevolunteerplaybook.com will get you there. But it's a page on my site. And yeah. um, if you buy the physical copy or the digital copy, you can get the audio version free. So if you like that, uh, I'm an Audible listener. So, like, you can get it there, too. Yeah. Um, but if you want, if you like a two for one or something like that, you can, you can get yeah. it there. And, and then there's resources with every chapter too, if you, if you want to do that and see like some documents, files, things like that. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll link all of that in the show notes so people know where to find you and hopefully they can connect with you through like social media, ministry boost, your book, all the things. So that's great. Well, Nick, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been fun. Yes. Friends, that was such an incredible conversation and we really covered so many topics. It was like a tsunami of volunteer knowledge. To learn more about Nick and his new book, all the links you need are in the show notes. If you have more questions or want to keep the conversation going, you can follow Kids Ministry Circle on Instagram and Facebook at Kids Ministry Circle. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.